I'm your host, Katie Halper. And I'm well, I'm one of the I'm one of the I'm your one and only host, Katie Halper. <laughs> and my and here I am to introduce my sidekick who's auditioning for the role, Matt Taibbi. Katie Halper and friends. Mm-hmm. And friend. Yeah, Katie Halper and friend. <laughs> my one friend, yeah. So yeah, I'm I think I'm Matt Taibbi, right? That's my one. I think so. That that's who you are this week, right? How yeah. are you feeling about being Matt Taibbi, as you asked me the other day about myself. Well, it, it's tax. I mean, day, about so being Katie is... Helper, not about being Matt Taibbi. Right. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about being Katie Helper. Yeah. There's that'd a lot of things. That would be a hard, that'd be harder question yeah. to answer. We I, should uh... very narcissistically just rate how we're feeling about ourselves every week. <laughs> Why are you between one and ten? Where are you right now? Probably a six. Oh. No. How about you? I still haven't gotten to the. I don't totally understand the concept, so. I'm struggling with it, but how you're feeling about yourself. Yeah, I guess. Is it like about myself or about how happy I am in general? I'm in a good mood. I'll say that. Okay. I mean, that's, that's probably yeah. pretty close to what I was asking. I don't know. Yeah. And Matt, you got your second vaccine. Yes. Yes. Is I that... just got it. So I'm, yeah. uh, apparently many people get sick after this yeah. second shot. So I'm, I'm probably, uh, it's going to happen, right? Maybe even as we're doing During this. So. Yeah. Could be good. You it have could be to, good. It, unless moment. you're. It could be, yeah. Maybe you can go into anaphylactic shock. Do you have anyone <laughs> no, there as your contact? Just get it. No. Do you have anyone? You never know. You no. you should actually. Wait, I should I have actually that. have a doctor in the house, so it's okay. Oh right, yeah. It's like a robo doctor. He has he rents a security guard and a doctor. I'm just kidding. I made that up. Can we reveal? <laughs> well, you're you have three kids under the ages of what? Seven. Okay, so I'm not going to say who the doctor is, but Matt has a wife and three kids under the age of seven. You do the mess. One of them's a doctor. One of them's a doctor. <laughs> We're gonna each week, guys, tweet at us. Use the hashtag #UsefulIdiotsPod. Tell us who you think the doctor is. Which which person in Matt's house is a yeah. is a doctor? It could be me too. It could, yeah. I have yeah. one in my house right now. You do? Yeah. A medical doctor? Yeah, I have two. Excellent. Well, actually, I have two doctors. One is a PhD, and one is a an MD. So we could both get sick right now, and it'd be all right. It'd be totally fine. Yeah, and then. I could also be distracted by some Virginia Woolf, which is what my mom, oh, I gave it away, what the PhD wrote her thesis on. Ah, okay. Your her mom PhD. wrote a PhD on, her, her yeah. PhD thesis she, she on Virginia Woolf? Yeah, at Columbia. Huh, wow. She was part Excellent. of the great Jewish working class trajectory from City College to Columbia University. And her passion, she's a, she's a novelist and then a journalist. And she actually, we should have her on. We should have all of our parents on. <laughs> should have my dad interview your mom. Yeah. That would be, then, be like a like time travel useful idiots, basically. Yeah. And then my dad's a psychiatrist. So he could like diagnose your your mom. And what does your mom do? Or she was she's an attorney. Oh, so then she can cross-examine. Right. <laughs> my dad. So Katie, I have a, a, a new ambition in life in in my media career, which is that I want Zach and Gavin from the Vanguard podcast. I want them to become the biggest thing on the internet. Well, not the biggest thing on the internet. Absolutely. Even bigger. Like No. Bigger, no? Bigger. They can be our sidekick of a show. <laughs> okay. So it can be useful idiots and friend or friends. Friends, but well, only let's check two. in with they see what they did this week right. because yeah, they did a thing on a, on why we were fired from Rolling Stone, yeah, and then we did a thing watching them, right? Watching us, and then they did a thing watching them, watching, watching us. us, watching them, watching us. So now we can do a thing watching them, 
watching us, watching them, watching, watching us. us. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we might be able to. It's like a. It could be like a time machine or like a Doctor Who plot. Yeah. Right? If we if we yeah. keep doing this long enough, maybe we'll get some kind of a chain maybe reaction. We'll, maybe we'll run into Kurt Loder. How's that for a, a callback? Right. What is he again? He's ageless. And ages. so we found him, we found photos of him in cave drawings. We found <laughs> photos of him in, you know, the Stalin drawing. I mean, the Stalin photo. I think right. I even found him in that. that At Yalta, right? He was yeah, in, right. Yeah. If we do this enough with with the Vanguard. Yeah, we'll go back in time. We'll eventually find Kurt Loder. Yes, like the that's birth what it of is. Kurt Loder. Yeah. Right? It'll yeah. be like Quest for Fire, right? We'll find him like in the the Earth is a primordial soup kind of a thing, right? And, yeah, and he's walking around, ladling, skin, ladling, right? Yes. Uh, well, anyway, we should, we should watch the clip, right? Yeah. We were on that Useful was. Idiots, bro. Bro, that was fucking crazy. So for anybody who doesn't <laughs> we were know, on it. I and, and me and Gavin, both of us, have been big fucking fans of Useful Idiots, um, Matt Taibbi's books. Uh, you know, obviously, we're doing the fucking Hate Inc. book club right now. And yeah, they fucking uh, d pulled one of our clips reacting to Did they take getting canceled and they actually reacted oh. to it and it didn't seem like they hated it. So that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we didn't hate Ink it. We didn't hate Ink it. Us right, reacting right. to them. It was pretty wild, pretty trippy stuff. And what I'm about to do here is going to make it even trippier because now it's us <laughs> looking at them, looking at us, looking at them. So oh, this God. is this getting was, crazier. This is a bad joke going too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but this was crazy, guys. I was just chilling last night when this episode dropped, and um, so I forget who it was, but shout out to whoever hit me up on Twitter. Yeah, funniest great. voices in this you know leftist media space. A so, great host. One of those yeah, people that oh, yeah. facilitates great conversations. I love her live streams because it is just kind of like oh, you know, I the, you know this is a a conversation that I want to be a fly on the wall for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's great at facilitating conversations between different voices, interesting voices that you might not expect to see in the same room at the same time, uh, but always makes for a lively discussion. So, you know, huge shout out uh, to Katie Helper and Matt Taibbi. We're so glad that you guys noticed uh, our coverage of um, Rolling Stones pulling the plug on useful idiots. Of course, we think that's so fucked up. And uh, <laughs> we also think it was weird that no one else really covered it. So we're glad to be the sole um, voice, you know, talking about it in the um, wilderness. Yeah, so the voices in the wilderness. On, on your Can we try to figure out what's going on here? So right now we're watching Th them. Them on the they're on the left, right? Oh right yeah, now? yeah. And so when we release this, I don't know where we're going to be. Well, uh, if, if I don't know how we're going to edit it, but it'll probably be what us on the on sides. Top. Oh, on the sides. Unclear. We'll where are we going to be? I put you on the bottom. On the bottom. Okay. So, so we're looking up at. We're looking them. up. Right, we'll be looking so, up at them. Well, so, oh, this okay. is like the Brady Bunch. We got to do a Brady Bunch, yeah. Bunch graphic with this. So we're looking up at them. They're looking and askance. What is it? Askance at us? Askance. They're looking askance. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's one, two. It's what? So okay. So so Dad, Mike is in the bottom. We're gonna look. We're gonna up. have to coordinate with them. Yeah. We we're, we want to look up. We want them probably to look. Yeah. Down or maybe they can look to the. How is it going to work? I mean, we can go back to it. I don't. I think it's a lot to to ask us to memorize it, right? And then tell it. I mean, it's a very grio kind of assignment, very oral tradition of right. telling history. But what we can do is we can go back to it and then email them some screenshots, and then yeah, right. we'll do it that right. way. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the very least, yeah, we can do different. They'll be looking up, down, left, right, stuff right. like that. Yeah. And then Bodie will show up in the center instead of Alice. Instead of Alice, right. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like the way they said we, we were on Useful Idiots. It makes it sound like we interviewed them. 
Right. Yes. They yeah. could say that they should have that in their bot. You know, it should be like we've appeared yeah. on shows such as. Yeah. yeah, they probably will appear on lots of shows because lots of shows are going to do this. It's such a good thing that they did. Absolutely. Like the left watching the left. Shout out to them. I mean, no one else will touch the story of what happened to us, of why Rolling Stone ended things with us. And by the way, running from it, just running from it, won't touch it with a six foot pole. But I got to say something. Our revealing our opposition to starving Yemeni children put that whole thing on the map. And I'm just saying that 80 Democrats and other people, but a lot of Congress people, and our guest, Marianne Williamson, little spoiler alert, signed a letter asking Biden to uh, end the blockade. And you know, you know why that happened. Because we Cause, uh, spoke to the, 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 the plight. We, we, were, we were on the fence and then we got off the fence. And this is why we left Rolling Stone. This is why we quit and ripped up our contracts. Well, I didn't have a contract, but why you ripped up your contract. You stood behind Rolling Stone's chief... You guys didn't see it, um, but he did the Nancy Pelosi thing. He took his contract and ripped it up. Right. Yes. Yeah. Performatively. Yeah. And then he also went like this. He did the clapping behind the, the guy. Yeah. And the, when I say the guy, I mean Mohammed bin Salman, because Rolling Stone, we now know, is run by Saudis. And we and we like that, right? No. Well, we did at first because we, we like first because okay. we you honestly, I'm going to be real. I never liked the short kid saying. I kind of, I wanted to speak to your, I wanted to see you. I wanted you to be seen. I wanted to hear your truth. And I wanted to hold the space for you, basically. When you pointed out that, you know, the good thing about start about the war against Yemen is that short kids, when they're short, they don't bite you in dangerous places. I was the person who made that observation. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think maybe I mentioned they were short and you were the one who saw the silver lining of it, which is just what you do in life in general you're like so positive power right. of positive thinking that's my type and now, now you just want to cent- center my concerns yeah right? so i was centering your concerns yeah but so we were on the fence about it because i was being an ally to matt and his appreciation of sh- short children but i like chubby children and we could no longer stand by something that was getting in the way of chubby kids and obviously just a little aside i obviously we do think this is horrible which is why we talk about it in general on the show but we're going to go back to playing the sociopaths who just care about um, cute, the cuteness factor. But I just think that me are, are raising this issue and are, are being really vulnerable and saying that it was our saying, no, we will not support the war against Yemen. I think really um, in, in, emboldened people to write this letter to Biden. You, you know what it's like? It's like when the, when the Democrats realized finally that they, that they, there was no need to try to reach across the aisle that it just wasn't going to work. They're not going to get those votes. So now that's why they're 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 transformative. Uh, the Biden administration is transformative right. because they've they've given it they've they've given up, you know, trying to compromise, and they're just being themselves. And that's right. the same thing that we're doing. We, we've stopped compromising. Oh right, we stopped trying to to make the Saudis and the Yemenis and Rolling right. Stone happy. We are just following our our moral moral compass. Right, and it points away from. Uh, cholera and famine we had to do some rejigging of it but that's where we wound up you know i remind ourselves of you know who we remind you know who we remind ourselves of or we remind me of allow myself to introduce myself yes please um righteous gentiles you know who righteous gentiles were no they were the 
Christ, the Gentiles who hid Jews during the Holocaust. Uh -huh. And I feel like there's something there. There's some parallel between those people. And by the way, thank you. Uh, between those people and what we're doing with the Yemenis, with the Yemeni children. We're the huh? righteous Americans. Yeah. So anyway, as we revealed in the last thing, Rolling Stone would not refuse to uh, grant my demand that Assad, um, Bashar al-Assad be the third host. That just led to a major war between us and Rolling Stone. And then basically what we're doing is we're offering Rolling Stone another chance to, to have us back. I think they're, they're getting called out on their Saudi connections. But we are the only way we'll come back is not only if we have Bashar, but if we have a, a Yemeni child. Right. So our th two co-hosts. And before I, because I'm in touch with Bash, uh, he had agreed to not, he agreed to not need any, you know, to do it for free. But now right. full salary for both him and Yemeni kid. And Yemeni kid paid in full salary in, in Snickers. Oh, did we? Was this? Well, we didn't thing? specify the candy. That's right, me I being. You're, I, mean, I need to center them and their taste. So, well, first we're going to talk to him or her. We haven't picked them out yet. Right. They're auditioning. They're sending in videos. They're sending in audition tapes. Oh man, this is terrible. So terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. But the funny thing is, so this is our our, our very serious demand yeah. was that we. You have Assad on as a third host, and then we have a, a, a sh short and chubby Yemeni child. Well, no, not chubby yet. That's how not they're going to get we're, chubby. They're going to get yeah. chubby with the full time salary, salary yeah. that Rolling Stone is going to pay us. So uh, once we put that out there, then it people, became a fact. Yeah, it became internet. a fact. And like we got, you know, called out. And, you know, people just wanted to document that. So Oz Cottergy, I guess he watched our show last week's show. Thank you for the, the clicks or the download. And he tweeted, Katie Halper and Matt Taibbi confirmed in a recent podcast that they were both fired from Rolling Stone because of their pro-Assad views and war crimes revisionism. And, and, and my response to that was me on why we left Rolling Stone. They wouldn't agree to our demand that Bashar al-Assad be our third host and we like chubby kids so we can no longer engage in pro-Saudi propaganda. As Halper and Taibbi have confirmed they were fired over Syria. In all seriousness, a little bit of fourth wall yeah uh stuff here this this guy actually led a, a letter writing sort of campaign oh, yes. like when we first started the show we had i think we had max blumenthal on yeah of course he and a whole bunch of other people were protesting so uh dramatically to rolling stone that that we had had this guest on that you know be, they were demanding our firing and all kinds of other things and of course they didn't do that so it's they didn't fire us it's, right it's, it's just that's just worth noting as part of the right. context of this yeah so I, it's it's i guess maybe they think they're that rolling stone it finally caught up it just finally caught up oh they them. just got the email oh they just got the email yeah that's what happened they just maybe they, just they maybe it. they had oz blocked because he's so annoying and then he just saw it. i'm not sure but yeah so it, it like it, it was like a sort of a game of telephone it's, it, it got to them through some right circuitous route right after a year or so yeah and that and the hammer came down on us because of us that was right. it so if you if you guys want to hire someone to to lobby for your cause just hire this person a year earlier i do want to say that i appreciate that oz put my name first in Everybody his tweet no not really but i'm a little annoyed because i found out from you he follows you he he blocked you Mm -hmm. And he doesn't block me, which I'm just calling it out pretty sexist. Hmm. 
Yeah. Like, I'm not a threat, but you are? Possibly. I don't know. I don't know we'll, what we'll, other... We'll have to ask him what, the, what that's about. Yeah. Yeah, Oz, so come we, on the show. We, we demand that you that you block Katie. Block me, you coward. <laughs> and and we would never respond to something like that in an immature fashion. Right. So we, we clearly won't do something. Yeah, no gags or anything. Uh, no, no no gags with the yeah. Syria people because they they are quite energetic on the internet. I have they to are give you very a... energetic. So you tweeted at, about him, by the way. You wrote, Oz, your ear for satire is unfailing. If you're going to report this, do it accurately. Rolling Stone refused our request to hire Assad as a third host. And Oz writes back, sure, Matt, it's always satire. You crack jokes while your guests cover up atrocities. Rolling Stone had enough. So you crack some jokes about that, too. You're the punchline, though. Now that Matt has quote tweeted me, (laughs) now that Matt has quote tweeted me, the mentions are swamped. The mentions are swamped. What is he talking about? Sounds the like some weird that, that biblical like shit. Find the rationale. A bit. Yeah, find the rationale. Yeah, the, the mentions, mentions are, are swamped. swamped. That, that's okay, we got to use that. That would be a great tagline for the show. Useful good, idiots. The, the mentions are, are swamped. The mentions are swamped. I think that's a t-shirt idea. We got to write definitely. That down. Yeah, we got to write that. The mentions are swamped with people going. Actually, Assad is innocent. You head chopper. This is the sewage he piped straight onto Rolling Stone's platform. That's kind of a mixed metaphor, isn't it? This is the sewage he piped straight onto Rolling Stone's platform. Yeah. Well, you could pipe something onto a platform, probably, right? Yeah, you could. A, yeah, a I guess liquid, so. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Someone wrote a good response. If you literally believe that Katie Hobbs and Matt Taibbi asked us out to be the third host of Useful Idiots, I got some beachfront property in Arizona. I'll sell you. He, he is a head. He's that. not a head chopper, but he supports head chopper. Head chopping, I would say. Oz? Anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's where he comes down. On the Syria question. So, what are our T-shirts again? Find the rationale. Yeah, find the rationale. The my men- are... the the mentions, the mentions are swamped. The mentions are swamped. Yeah. There, was there a third one? How about the block sewage? Katie Halper, you coward? Block Katie Halper, you coward. Or we could be more generous and just make block me, you coward. Is pretty good, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna put the the T-shirt ideas list. Yeah. So for today's show, we have an amazing guest, a uh, return guest, very inspiring, Marianne Williamson. She, of course, was a presidential candidate. She is a best-selling author. She has her own podcast, and she's also hosting the Progressive Candidate Summit. She also is now a columnist at Newsweek, which is very excited. She's a much-needed voice. And you can find out more about her at Marianne.com. And also, you can follow her on Twitter at mar williamson that's m-a-r williamson and make sure you check out her progressive candidate summit uh and that's just at progressivecandidatesummit.com we're very pleased to introduce the woman that the av av club calls the aunt who won't tell anyone if she catches you smoking weed before thanksgiving dinner so much more than that but yes i like that yeah yeah Yeah. she may smoke it with you Well, very excited to have uh, Marianne back on the show. Marianne Williamson, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's always fun to be with you. And just so people know, uh, Marianne and I did not coordinate wearing blue. Um, <laughs> we we don't we can't say the same thing for um, uh, Al Jalani and Martin Smith. A call back to the journalist and uh, the moderate rebel, formerly known as uh, terrorist Al Jalani. 
Johnny and Martin Smith, who were wearing matching blazers and shirts. But anyway, if you guys want to respond uh, and tell us if there were plans, if you guys went shopping together or if it was coincidence, please do. Feel free to reach out to the show. But Marianne, on more progressive fronts, can you tell us about the uh, Progressive Candidate Summit that you're organizing and why you're organizing it? You know, sometimes we wonder, uh, why can't we get more progressive policies passed in Congress? Why can't there be more policies that actually support working people in the United States? The reason is because more working people aren't in Congress. And the reason they aren't is because they aren't people who can self-fund. They aren't people who are connected in terms of corporate donations, in terms of other relationships, both professional and personal, which will help them win the primaries, much less win their races. And the establishment, even within the Democratic Party, the suppression and peripheralization of progressives is as active a, um, a trend on the level of congressional seats as it is on obviously on the, on the presidential. So I have a lot of personal as well as political admiration and, um, and, and feeling for some of these people. The only way that we are going to be able to override the, the huge gargantuan regressive forces in this country is through a, a massive uprising of citizen activism. And it has to be at the polls. Now, those regressive forces know that the only place they have to worry about is the polls. That's why they are putting out all these voter suppression laws. So I want to do whatever I can. Uh, when I start my own campaign, I promised I would continue doing what I could to support these policies. And that means supporting candidates who stand for these particularly progressive policies. And particularly, as I said, people who are working class people, they do not... Um, have the kind of connections that we normally associate these days with being able to really get in there and, and play the game. So there are all these people around the country, and I have 16 on the list for the uh, candidate summit. Um, and I want to do what I can to introduce them to people because so many times people talk about politicians like they're a different species because they don't know them enough. They don't know them as people, not only the people who are serving, some of whom are really cool people, but also the people who would if they had the kind of support. So any little thing I can do. The Candidate Summit is a way that we have 13 congressional candidates right now. Two of them are senatorial candidates. One's a gubernatorial candidate. And uh, they're very vetted, you know, for real progressive, not only policies, but real intention to not only talk about it, but do something about it once they get there. And uh, I will add more if, uh, you know, if and when more present themselves and I feel I could help make a difference for them. It could be like the opposite of a, an eliminationist reality TV show where you get rid of people you could add each week. Yeah, give, if, give a rose to the new person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, if they, you know, somebody tweets, look into this person. And yeah. I was talking to Matt earlier about how Howie Klein, uh, who, who writes the Down With Tyranny blog, is a bit of a mentor of mine, as are you, whether you know it or not, Matt. But Howie is someone, I was telling Matt, that if you say to Howie, you mentioned out of 435 congressmen and, you know, 100 senators, I, I say, what about this one? He tells me, this is what they say they stand for. This is how they actually vote. And this is who donates to them. Right. So I would say to these people who wanted to be in the candidate summit, if you can get past Howie, you can get past me. Because right. I'm kind of like, oh, I just love who they are. Yeah. And he, he really talks to people. Yeah. So, you know, these are people who are really the real deal. Man, and we should get. Oh, sorry. I hope you will. If you were going to finish that sentence, get some of them. I hope you will. And, and where do people go if they want to follow or? CandidateSummit.com. Okay. CandidateSummit.com. 
You should have a hashtag so people can uh, suggest people. Yeah, like, that would yeah. be good because right now I just love people always yeah. suggesting that hashtag. Let's see, we can make it up now. Um, uh, how about Prague, Prague, Prague Summit? Someone suggested progressive candies, which is good too. Oh, I like that. Pro okay, pro so that's P R O G C A N D I E S. Okay, thank you. That's good. That's a great idea. discussion with what's happening in Yemen is an important one. Oh, the Dems are dragging their feet though. We have to do a whole other episode on that. Yeah. More than dragging their feet. And this is another example of what we were talking about early with Biden. He came in, he said, we're right. going to put it, uh, we're going to put the aerial support that the United States was giving to uh, Saudi Arabia and the prosecution of the war. We're going to put that on pause. And then everybody got, oh, we're so excited. We're so excited. We're not going to help Saudi Arabia kill Yemeni children anymore. And then the conversation drops because, oh, it's so exciting. Meanwhile, the blockade, the uh, the blockade against Yemen, 400,000 children could die. We, and they just they, they denied it's even happening. Uh, Blinken says nothing. Biden right. says nothing. Mm -hmm. And to pretend that this is not an offensive part of an offensive, that, that's right. how they get out of it. It's not offensive, but it right. is. Right. And they're also saying, we don't want to talk about it because it could be used as part of our nego their negotiation. You shouldn't use starving children uh, as, a, as, a, as a pawn in a negotiating, as a negotiating factor. You know, everybody talks about, I remember during the, during, uh, the campaign, well, you have to be an expert in this or an expert in that. Foreign policy is such an example. We have foreign policy experts. We just don't have foreign policy principles. <laughs> That's what um, I think the Quincy Institute is trying to do be a left foreign policy think tank. I mean, they are that, but they're trying to, you know, develop it. And the Friends Committee, uh, uh, Hassan al who's who's the uh, Middle East uh, person there, they're, they're great people. We don't lack uh, on any level in the United States, a dearth of geniuses. Right. I mean, we don't have a dearth of geniuses. We don't have a dearth of good ideas. We don't have a dearth of people who know how to interrupt the pattern uh, the, the, of death, you know, the, the death star. We know we have people in every area, whether it has to do with the corruption or food supply, our water, our agriculture, military, economics, education. We, we have the people who would know what to do. But the status quo will not disrupt right. itself. There's too much money to be made. And the institutional uh, forces of resistance to allowing the people who have great things to say and great gifts to give is is stunning and the only as i see it the only answer is if enough american people wake up and i do think it's happening it's just will it happen fast enough it's funny you know how are they phrasing what are they calling the kids in cages now they have another word for it migrant facilities i think is the yeah, yeah but it's like you know in some ways the dems are good at that frank luncian stuff it's just they're not good at it for the for right. doing good they're well, good at it for covering their asses yeah we're not supposed to call it a crisis we're supposed to call it a challenge i, I do think they have i think they have far better intentions they're, yeah, they're not um, trying to separate children from parents as literally as a specific intentional policy of deterrence right but they are they do use i mean i think we can point out both right which is that they are worse the republicans are worse the Democrats hide hide it more and are good at certain PR optics and wokeifying. Well, the one that blows my mind is how three weeks ago we were told that Kamala Harris was going to be taking charge 
right, of yeah. the root causes of the immigration crisis at the border. First of all, she hasn't gone down there and she needs to do more than go down there. If she's really in charge of the root causes, she should be taking a tour of Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador yeah. about now. And but Haiti. we were told, yeah. oh, I mean, this. Right, yeah, there's no, right. The, the root sources are things that they'll never talk about because that- well, They're clearly cognizant of it because they, they traded vaccines for- in, increased enforcement in, of the Mexico. Mexico. Right. Well, yeah, Mexico yeah. and Canada, but not the, some of the countries that need it most. I remember on, in the first debate, I said something like, well, I haven't heard you guys say anything about American foreign policy in Latin America. And I remember seeing Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren look at each other like, did she just say that? <laughs> yeah. Well, Bernie had a little, Warren not at all. But just the fact that I said it. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, remember how he got dragged for for going to Nicaragua. Yeah. So ridiculous. Anyway, do you, how's your relationship with Bernie? Are you guys? Well, I don't have any real relationship with him. I had a, a wonderful, uh, I had been a big supporter back in 2016, very early. And there had been this, this scene in Los Angeles that was really, uh, I'll tell you something you might appreciate actually. It was very early in the 2016 situation. I had him speak. I used to do these conferences called Sister Giant Conferences. I had never met Bernie before, but I was a huge fan. And so I asked Bernie if he would speak at the conference. And his people obviously were just starting to put out their tentacles, right? So he said yes. And it was in Los Angeles. So we're in this hotel ballroom. A lot of people, there were about 1,500 people. Bernie gave this very Bernie talk. And then I had come up on the stage during the, they were doing the Q&A. Somebody says to him, Bernie, are you going to run for president? And Bernie says, if I do, would you be there? Would you be there? Right? Because he's checking it out. He wants to know, would you really be there? So the whole room stands up, yell, yeah, yeah, we're mad. We're not going to take it. And I say, stop. And Bernie doesn't know me. And Bernie's kind of surprised. I say, stop. I say, if I were Bernie, I would not be that excited by what you just did. You just got an adrenaline rush. It was like you threw white sugar candy bars at him. We're going to start this thing over again, please. I'd like everyone to sit down. And this is going to be done in silence. And we're going to start over. The question is this. The question is, if Bernie Sanders runs for president, will you really be there? Not will you jump up and down? Yeah. Will you work it? Will you get online? Will you talk to people? Will you send money? Will you really, really, really make it happen? And please think about this. Because I only want you to say yes, if it's really true. And then the way I want you to say yes, please, and this is done in silence. If you get to the point where there's a real yes for you and the level of support for Bernie Sanders to run, please stand up. And the room at first, slowly, people would like stand up and there would be the most beautiful things. Some people would just stand up and go like this. I remember one man who went like this. <laughs> so for people just, just listening that was the peace sign and, and every the, the whole room yeah. stood up the whole wow. room it was like but they got it like and it was so profound actually and i remember i actually have a photograph of bernie looking back at me 
<laughs> yeah, he must have been like, what What the hell are you doing, Marianne? No, he got Marianne, it. it yeah. The whole room got it. The whole room got it. It was very profound. And then something else he did. When I was first running, like the first debate, Jane kind of looked at me like, why, why are you here? Really? But huh. And you could tell his body, but she did not remain that way. Yeah. Please don't get me wrong. I, I, they just didn't understand. They were not rude. They just didn't get it. The more they heard me speak, the more they changed. And then one day when it got really bad, when the attacks on me, when the crystal lady, woo-woo lady, let's make fun of Marianne Williamson today. Let's lie about Marianne Williamson today. It was at such height. It was the New Hampshire Democratic Party Convention. And I was, there were a lot of people there and I was walking down the hall and Bernie was coming towards me and he was surrounded by a, a real entourage. And I said, hi, Bernie. And he didn't hear me, but apparently, Somebody must have told him, oh, we just passed Marianne Williamson. He made a U-turn, a quick U-turn. He took me under his shoulder real thing. He said, are you okay? Don't let that liberal bullshit get to you. <laughs> that's so great. That is fantastic. Wow. All right. That, that's our viral clip right there. Yeah, that's the mensch. The mensch. That's the mensch. <laughs> and he hugged me so tight. Don't let that liberal bullshit get to you. <laughs> well, I was going to ask what what was the big uh, your big takeaway or lesson from the the run um, your, your presidential run, but that sounds like a pretty good one. Uh, I should have fought back. Right. Should have fought harder. Every time they wrote an art, did an article, I should have gotten on Facebook Live. And, and yeah, I heard uh, you in, in on the Kyle, Crystal, Kyle and Friends podcast talk about how that was a big mistake that you made. Well, you you said that you got bad advice on it. You said that in your gut, you knew. Well, and uh, listen, I believe I'm 100% responsible. Sure, so sure, sure. I say right. I was you weren't blamed. It was, still, right. yeah. it was still, yeah. yeah. You, and I you, was told don't speak to it because that brings attention to it, which is ridiculous because the attention was there. Right. No, but I think that is a calculation that's sometimes hard to make. Like, do you bring it up? Um, it, it's, I think there must be some, some uh, math on it. Well, it there must was, be some formula, right. When it gets to this level of exposure. It was so ubiquitous. And right. I, you know, I can't be sure it would have made that much difference, but it was successful at making certain people think they were too smart to come hear me. Right. People who came to hear me, as you know, uh, Matt, you were uh, the day we met in, Ohio, in Iowa, people who actually came to hear me heard something different than they had led to believe that they would hear me. And Absolutely. were very acknowledging of it. And sometimes in very kind of emotional ways. How much of that, of those attacks, do you think were organic? And how much of it was just inertia with the way the press behaves or or how much it was like astroturfing i mean have you parsed all that out and in the moment was it just overwhelming like yeah, you just weren't prepared for that level of uh, of attack well it was calculated mm -hmm. smear there was nothing organic about it. it it started three days later i think perez lifts an eyebrow and anderson cooper gets on and handles it so uh within three days the same words were everywhere the same words. It's like something out of the Middle Ages and the witches, right? She's dangerous. She's crazy. Um, I never made an anti-vax statement, but I questioned mandatories and in a crude way. I admit that. Um, I mean, there were certainly little things that you could take out of context or that I spoke in a way that I shouldn't have. Nothing that was fundamental to my message about any of those things, whether it had to do with big pharmaceutical companies, um, antidepressants, uh, vax, nothing would I take back what my actual message was. But if somebody 
takes a little sentence and is willing to do what they're willing to do. Yes, I was appalled by it because I found how many people really didn't want to hear what the truth was. Or if, once again, it, but the main problem was people thinking they were too smart to even come hear me. So if you don't have a chance to really say what you believe, and yeah, it was, it was very uh, painful, obviously, it was very painful. But you know what? I want to tell you something about men and women that I think is interesting. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I regret getting out when I got out because I could have stayed through New Hampshire. And uh, I think some people would have been surprised by some things. But I have to tell you, there was a difference between what my male friends said to me and what my female friends said to me. Hmm. It was, there was definitely a gender difference. My female friends were, oh, you're in such pain. Let it go. My male friends were, do not get out. There's still time on the clock. Joe Lewis regretted whoever Joe, I don't even, I don't know sports, but they were all using sports analogies. He regretted till the day he died. He didn't get up one last time. And I've thought a lot about that. And I needed more people to say, get up and get out there and fight. Um, so much of my life had been about becoming gentler. I wasn't prepared for something where I needed to be tougher. Wow, oh, that's, that's a great yeah. message. Yeah. All right. All these sports, and I said, I don't know the game. But they kept telling me, you had this <laughs> right, many exactly, feet yeah. on the yard line. Like, yeah. I don't know You're like, I don't know anything Here's about that. Another analogy, please. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's also because women are just used to that kind of treatment. And so they're more resigned. Uh, and men that's were so kind of outraged way. on your behalf. I, yeah. That's why I'm so, you know, now I know how to just block somebody. You know, pfft. Right. Oh, you hate me? Right. <laughs> oh, darling. Right. Well, I mean, not not to pay a compliment to the men, but the, the, that was something that Trump clearly figured out about how the internet works, right. which is that when they throw something at you, you just throw it back at them yeah. and just uh, pretend it didn't happen. And right. Well, the way the media works, as you know, sometimes the truth is not what they're interested in. Right. And I, well, it was so interesting with reporters and interviewers how and I'm sure that you had some of this experience when you heard me in, in, in Iowa. You didn't know what to think, but you're an ethical journalist, so you reported on what you actually saw. And you, when you're on television and you're interviewed by people, it's so interesting because you can see it in their eyes when they see you're not who they might have thought you were. It was interesting. Some people were like, pleased. Well, how nice. Right. People, it's almost like I'm sticking to my story, bitch, no matter what you think. <laughs> <laughs> or they have the story written already. Yeah, it's already written. Yeah. Right, yeah. Already written. Wanted to ask you a couple things. What you're up to with your podcast, which is great. I want to know what you wanted to tell people about that and why you started it, what you've been focusing on. Um, also, the role of your father in your life and specifically that country he took you guys to. I think a lot of people may not know that story. It's amazing. Uh, and if you remember, because you talk so much about the assassinations of the Kennedys, of Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X, uh, do, if you remember where you were when you heard about those. I do. The podcast, I've been doing a podcast. There was, um, you know, I have two 
well, within me, they're integrated. And I think within the society, they're more and more integrated. But in the past, they have not been so integrated in the society. Those of us who are interested in personal transformation and right. those who are interested in political transformation. And on the um, podcast that I've been doing, there has been, I have felt some pressure to keep it about the more internal transformation. Whereas I also want to do a podcast about them. I want to have Arkin on. I want to have similar on. I want to have... Uh, you know, there's been a real resistance to some of the political stuff that I have to put aside a little bit, do uh, other stuff. I'm hoping actually. Yeah, James Cameron, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah which was great. He, he actually contacted me. So I am kind of going to be redoing the podcast in, in some way so I can do both ends a little bit more. In terms of my father, yeah, my father was, you know, he was very much an armchair revolutionary. He used to read I.F. Stone uh, the day that Kennedy was assassinated. He said the CIA did this. I'm telling you, the CIA did this with Curtis LeMay. And uh, in 1965, I came home from seventh grade one day. And my father, by the way, was a very well-known and very powerful immigration lawyer. And my brother's an immigration lawyer. So I grew up in that world. So... I came home from the seventh grade and my social studies teacher had said, if we didn't fight on the shores of Hawaii, no, if we didn't fight in Vietnam, we'd be fighting on the shores of Hawaii, the which dominance. was called the domino theory, right. right? So my father jumped up and he said, sweetheart, that was my mother, get the visas. We're going to Vietnam. Those goddamn bastards aren't going to eat my children's brains and goddamn military. <laughs> and so my mother, who is just this really traditional, lovely woman, oh Sam, what will these, what will the kids become? You know. And uh, we went to Vietnam. We wow. went to Saigon because he wanted us to see bullet holes, and he wanted us to see damage, and he wanted us to see what the goddamn U.S. got, you know, had done. But, and I was in uh, behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, it was during the time behind the Iron Curtain in a sense. But my father, I want to be very clear here. You know, my father fought in World War II. My father was, in my mind, the depth of patriotic American. We had a front, an American flag in the front yard. It was because he was so offended by what those certain things represented. And he was, he was an, you know, he, to the day he died, if you ask my father who he voted for, he said FDR. He'd grown up in deep pop, in real poverty. And uh, Franklin Roosevelt was his. So that's the kind that my father was. I remember uh, it was on April 4th, 1968. I was uh, sitting in the den. Uh, the TV at that time, breaking news meant something. I know you know that from your own childhood with your father. Today it means nothing. But there was a time when breaking news meant something really serious had happened. My mother was in the kitchen uh, making dinner and breaking news was on that uh, Martin Luther King had been killed. And a few minutes later, and my mother was just standing there stricken, watching the seeing television. And, and, and very shortly, my father, he would come in through the, we call it the utility room today, usually mud room. And I ran up to him, daddy, 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 they, somebody shot and killed Martin Luther King. I was born in 52, so 16, 15, 16 years old. And my father looked out into the, into the distance and he said, those bastards. And I remember when he said those bastards looking out into the distance, I think my first question was, do you know who killed him, Daddy? Of course, he didn't know who killed him, but he knew who killed him. He knew what. Wow. And I remember also when Bobby Kennedy was killed and uh, I was in, we were living in Houston, which was two hours later, he was killed in Los Angeles. 
And I remember going to falling asleep as I couldn't stay up, hoping he would survive, of course, and waking up to the news that he had died. That famous press conference with Mankiewicz, right, Joe Mankiewicz? Right, right. Well, Marianne, thank you so yeah, much for coming amazing. on. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Th thank you. And uh... I just want to say, if I, I, I'd like to, may I say one little thing? Of course, yeah. Every time when you know someone who has died, every year it gets a little better. For myself, and I think many people of my generation, every year of the, the, the anniversary of the assassination of Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King, it gets worse. Hmm. Because everything we feared would happen when they died has happened. And those who killed them were very successful at stopping the things they were intending to stop. And that's what I hope. And I think that many people my age who do remember want to feel that before we die, we have can play whatever little part we might be able to play in resurrecting the dreams that were our dreams when we were young and the thought that we might die knowing that we didn't really do that is actually scarier to us than the, the idea that they might kill us if we do. Because the, when they killed the students at Kent State, that was the real message there. Those were, those assassinations were, were, were loud unspoken messages to a generation that there would be no further protest. And those kids at Kent State, that was really bringing it home. That was then and this is now, but the through line is very profound. I think you've already done certainly your, your part to help put things back together yes, in, thank you. in some ways. So yeah. Well, I, I have great admiration for both of you and I learned from both of you and I love yeah. both of you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And we, we, we didn't even touch the spiritual realm, but I'm going to try to convince Matt to do um, A Course in Miracles with me. <laughs> well, you know, I do those daily uh, lessons every morning. Yeah. I'll be glad to send them to you. Yeah. We should do it, Matt. All right. You're on. Yeah. yeah. All right. I need, an account <laughs> I need an accountability buddy. I'll, I'll send them if you want yeah. them. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Excellent. Thank All right, well, so thank you so much, Marianne. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you so much time. Thank okay. you. Much love. Bye. Bye-bye. He's very smart, and it's funny. You know, and I, I wrote this last, when, when she ran for president, she is completely different from what the yeah. press wrote up about her, actually. Uh, and she is very serious, has, has a lot of really interesting ideas. And, and in fact, why don't we tell us Let's tell people why we really broke it off with Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone, a, a certain journalist at Rolling Stone wrote a very unfair piece. They wrote an article about Marianne Williamson and it was not flattering. And we gave them, we said, you retract, you burn, you delete that article. Across this line, you do not. Well, we gave them, we gave them the Oz, we gave them the grace period. We gave them a right. year. Right. And if you did, if they didn't delete that article about Marianne Williamson, we They're said we here. quit. So mm -hmm. that all, yeah, that's a real reason. That is. That is right. the reason of the week. So guys, here's what you need to do. If you want to see the rest of that interview, if you want to see my special interview with Rania Kalik, please go to usefulidiots.substack.com. Again, that's usefulidiots.substack.com and you get great bonus content. We're going to start doing polls. We're going to start getting feedback from you. We're going to let you give us feedback. If you are a paying uh, listener, viewer, we're going to let you, for real, though, have this extended interview with Marion Williamson. There, there are some pretty funny comments on the right that are they're basically telling us how much we suck. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's are they paying pretty... us? Tell no, them to... I don't think so. Oh, well, if they pay us, then we'll read them. If you want us to read your hate <laughs> mail, that's another thing we're going to do, that if you want us to read your hate mail, become members of Useful Idiots. 
or we'll put out a Venmo or PayPal so you don't have to support us on the regular. But what should we make people charge for them for us to read their hate mail to us? Uh, like four bucks. Ten. Ten. All right. Yeah. Ten bucks. Yeah. Ten bucks. And we'll. I'd, and I'd we, read some hate mail for ten bucks. Yeah. Well, we're we're splitting it though, so. Oh, tw- let's start 30, with ten. No, let's start with ten. <laughs> 33, yeah. We'll start with ten, and then we'll we'll see how it goes. All right. All, All right. right. Thank you and so much. Make sure you check us out on uh, YouTube. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also subscribe at Substack. So basically for all your needs, fears, wants, everything, just go to usefulidiots.substack.com. I'm Michael Toscano, hoping you'll join me on the First Light Podcast. We get to the heart of the event shaping our world as our correspondents check in and we talk with newsmakers and people who can take us behind the headlines. The First Light Podcast, wherever you get podcasts.